Good morning. Will you thank our worship team this morning? Uh, that hat my wife had on while she was singing, I asked if I could if I could make that my preaching hat, and she said no, which is good. It doesn't does it looks way better on you, honey. So, anyhow, thank you for being here this morning. Those of you in our congregation joining us online, thank you for joining us as well. Well, for the last four weeks, we have been in John chapter one. And there's really been one takeaway for each of the last four weeks. And it was just very simply, just one time, try what they tried in John chapter 1. Go spend a day with Jesus, whether that's a whole day, an afternoon, an hour, and just see what he does. No plans, no details, no forecasts of what's going to happen. Just spend a day in his presence. And so when we left off last week, we were in John chapter 1. And we're moving on from John chapter 1 this week. But we ended with this conversation that Jesus is having face-to-face with Simon, son of John, who would later become known as Peter. In that conversation, Jesus looked at him the way only Jesus could look at him. And he said, you are Simon, son of John. You will be called Peter. Cephas. And that had implications down the road. But I want to take you, we're just going to fast forward all the way from the first chapter of John all the way to that very last chapter of John. John 21, it's been three years that Peter has been following Jesus. And after all that time, and it's just, it's days after Jesus went to the cross, he's risen from the dead. He's appeared to Peter a couple times before this. They're face to face having a conversation. And as they're talking, Peter, out of the corner of his eye, sees John, John who wrote the gospel of Jesus' life. And Peter suddenly looks back, and just just think about this for a minute. After all Peter has seen, here's this question. Lord, what about him? (laughs) And I just, I read it, and I think, wow. I I mean, have you ever seen just like such a small thing (laughs) just get in the way of so much? I mean, Everything that happens in John, if you're familiar with John, it's, it's interesting to me that we would come to the end of it and Peter would say, what about him? What about them? I guess I liken it to, have you, have you ever just gotten a, a dumb injury? Like it just never should have happened. And it derailed so much. I remember back in high school watching football, and I remember Gus Ferrat. Gus Ferrat was this quarterback for this football team. I'm watching on TV. His team's on the one-yard line. He, they snap the ball. He sneaks it in for a touchdown, and he immediately proceeds through the end zone to the wall of the stands, and he headbutts the wall. And I went, all right, he's excited. He can celebrate. That's fine. And then I remember after halftime, they come back out, and they've got a backup quarterback. Gus Ferrat had sprained his neck celebrating that touchdown. I thought that has to be the dumbest injury in all of human history. Not to be outdone, years later, I remember in a couple football games, two weeks apart, there were two separate games. A defensive player had sacked the quarterback, gotten up, jumped up and down, and in two consecutive weeks, these, these NFL players, in the process of celebrating a quarterback sack, tore their ACLs. They were done for the season. I mean, that could be a career ender. Not to be outdone. I thought those were the dumbest injuries in all of history six months ago. 
we had a full day of errands in front of us and we, we had to go somewhere. We stopped, I can't remember where we were. We stopped somewhere along the way and there was, I just remember there was a tray of homemade chocolate chip cookies out. And I love Oreo cookies, but I cannot pass up a homemade chocolate chip cookie. And so in my excitement, grabbed a cookie and this is just one of those things where you go, how does this happen? Took a bite of this cookie and a crumb like catapulted into my eye. And I just went, oh, honey, help. And she's like, what's wrong? And so, suddenly I'm like down on all fours going, I, I can't see. And she's like, what happened? I was like, there's a chocolate chip cookie crumb in my eye. <laughs> and she's like, well, how does that happen, Nathan? I was like, I don't know. This is the dumbest injury in all of human history. And, uh, you know, she, she's a nurse. And so with all her nursing expertise, here's what she tells me, not flush it with water or anything like that. She's like, just let's leave it in there and your tear duct will make it soggy and then it can just run out later. And I was like, that was so un-nurse-like. But anyhow, and I just, I think about that and I think that's that question Peter asked in John chapter 21. What about him? What about that? Jesus what about that? I mean, don't we all have our whatabouts? I mean, this last year alone has provided enough for an entire lifetime. We don't need any more whatabouts. But isn't it true there's a whatabout for every single one of us? And probably not just one. There's just a whole list of them. What about the future? What's going to happen? For some of you, the last four years has been what about the president? For some of you, the next four years is what about the president? What about our government? What about what's going on? What about masks? What about vaccines? What about what about? What about? And it is just an absolutely exhausting way to operate. And yet every single one of us is vulnerable to it. And the reason I bring all this up is because over the last four weeks, one of the, one of the byproducts of just spending time with Jesus is that he begins to shape not our identity, our, our us identity, but he begins to shape his identity in us. And if there is anything that could derail that for you and for me, if there was anything that could derail that for Peter, as we'll see this morning in John chapter 21, it's this question, what about? What about him? What about them? What about that? And so I want us to just walk through John chapter 21 because John chapter 21 is a chapter that just snaps back into absolute clarity, absolute clarity, what we miss when we get caught up on the question of what about that, them, whatever we, whatever we fill in that blank with. What about? And so I want us to go to John chapter 21. And it, it, here's, here's the deal. It's a few days after the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. Now, let me just read one, one verse from the very beginning of the chapter. It says, John 21, verse 4, Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. Now, I always read this account as they, they were distraught and they had given up and everything they, had, they, they thought this was going to be, it wasn't. And so they just gave up and they just threw everything that Jesus had taught them away and gone back to fishing and what they'd always known. That's how I've always read it. And yet, as I pay more attention to the detail and as I sit with it, I realize, oh my goodness, there's something different going on here. See, these disciples, they've, they've already seen, as John will tell us in a few verses, they've already seen Jesus a couple times. John tells us this is the third time that Jesus has shown up since the cross. 
And if you were to pay attention to the book of John, you'd know that John is really a book of signs. There are a number of miracles that Jesus performs. Seven, seven big, well-known miracles. And so when you think about his disciples who are following him, they're getting used to seeing this kind of thing. And they're getting used to seeing Jesus operate in this really miraculous way. They've known him as teacher. They've known him as leader. They've known him as miracle worker. But John chapter 21, they're just back to the ordinary life. And I think that's the idea right there. They're not dejected. They've just gone back to ordinary life. And they had gotten so used to seeing Jesus in the extraordinary of life that they didn't have eyes to see him in the ordinary life. Now, if you know the story, if you know the story, Jesus says, hey, why don't you guys throw your net on the other side of the boat? Because they're not having any luck catching fish at all. Why don't you throw your net to the other side of the boat and see what happens? And you know what happens. The net fills up with fish. He's done this one before. And that was all John needed to recognize, oh my goodness, even in the midst of this, there he is. There he is in the middle of all of it. But see, they hadn't had eyes to see that yet. And I think about us and I think, isn't that the case? We can get so used to the big, we talked about this a couple months ago when we were talking about Moses, those mountaintop experiences, right? I want to see him do the extraordinary, nothing wrong with that. I want to see him on the mountaintops, nothing wrong with that. But don't forget that he's also there in the everyday. And in the everyday ordinary stuff, one of two things is going to lead you and me. It's going to be what about, or it's going to be our savior. It's going to be what about this, what about that, what about them, or it's going to be our savior. And I, I believe this is part of what John is getting at here, is he's saying, look, resurrection doesn't just show up in this big miraculous display. Resurrection shows up in the ordinary, everyday life. I, I was reminded not too long ago of, um, you remember movies, like movie theaters? <laughs> Our kids just were reflecting back on a movie we had gone to. And I always used to just think, our family has this tendency of staying. We just want to get every last, every last cent of our money's worth. So when do most people leave the theater after a movie's over? Yeah, as the credits begin, not us. We are staying all the way through to where they get to that little symbol of like the production studio that comes up, all the way through there. And, and I just remember, for so long, I've been like, this is, this is just, why are we staying? <laughs> what, what are we hanging out this long for? And when I look at John 21, you know what I realize? Jesus hangs around in the credits of life. You know, we're looking for him in this big excitement of the movie, and he's there, but he's also in the credits. You know, years ago, we had a, it began to be fun excuse me, fun to pay attention to the credits. We had a kid in the youth group who uh, years later went on to, uh, he ended up in the sequel of a really well-known movie. And so all, all of us who knew him, we, we were really excited. And uh, fun fact, he's actually also, uh, he was Kara's boyfriend at one time. He was my wife's boyfriend. I stole her from a movie star, all right? Um, <laughs> let me tell you how big a movie star he was. We asked him, what part did you have in the movie? And uh, he's like, well, you got to let the credits scroll a little bit. But I'm, they have me listed as second guy with camera. Second guy with camera. He has a three-second part in the movie where he's just doing this. 
That's it. And, and I just thought, those are the moments we don't pay attention to. Those are the moments we don't look for because we're so often con- concerned with what about? What about that? What about them? What about this going on? But Jesus, he's not just in the movies, in the credits. He's in those ordinary moments of our everyday lives. He says in John 21, I want you to see me there. I want you to see that resurrection life is right there. Well, the excitement of everybody seeing Jesus on the shore, as, as John points out, there's Jesus. Peter, we see that he just jumps out of the boat, leaves everybody else to do all the work. And he rushes to the shore and they finally all get to the shore and Jesus already has a meal prepared because he's Jesus and he's, he's got a meal prepared on the shore. And as the excitement calms down, Peter and Jesus find themselves in a conversation. We'll pick up in chapter 21, verse 15. It says, when they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And there's all kinds of debate as to what these he was referring to by these. Was it the nets? Was it the boat? Was it the fish? Was it these fellow disciples? Any number of things. But the point being, Peter, do you love Jesus above everything and everyone else? Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt. And I used to wonder why John gave us this detail. Peter was hurt. And yet I think that Jesus needed no further answer to his question as to whether whether Peter actually loved him than to see that Peter was hurt. Because isn't it true when somebody that you dearly love hurts you? It's because it's happening at the heart level. Jesus didn't need to wonder if there was a God-placed love for him in Peter's heart, but he's getting at something here. Peter answers. says, Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. Now, there's a lot going on here. And and one of the things that I love is going on here, you can kind of read it between the lines, is the fact that Peter is still sitting here after committing this, just this denial. You know, when Jesus was on trial and, and he was asked or said, they said to him, you were with him, weren't you? No, three times. Peter denies ever having been with or knowing Jesus. And yet they're sitting here together. I mean, is there not a greater picture of forgiveness right after the cross than to be sitting there? It's as if Jesus is saying, listen, Peter, I'm not dead, so I'm not done. And Peter, the fact that you're not dead means I'm not done with you. And that's an encouragement every single one of us can walk away with, that as long as I am walking this earth and breathing, Jesus isn't done with me and Jesus isn't done with you. But he's also getting at something here. If you've heard a sermon on this passage before, you've no doubt heard about the two Greek words for love that show up in this passage. First time Jesus asks, he says, Peter, do you, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he's pointing at this agape love. The word is agape. It's a God love. Do you love me in the depths? And Peter's answer, if you were to follow the Greek, says, I phileo you. I have a love that, 
that shows signs of my love for you. So it's a brotherly love. And Jesus says, well, then feed my lambs. Peter, do you, again, agape, love me? And Peter says, well, I, Lord, you know, I phileo love you. I have a love that shows it loves you. And then if you were to follow the Greek wording, Jesus asks, Peter, do you phileo love me? Do you have a love that shows signs? And Peter was hurt because that's what was being questioned. Because not long before that, this was a love that didn't show signs of loving Jesus. This was a love that had been carried along by the what about. Well, what about? What are they going to do to me if I say I was with Jesus? And see, even in our love, we're going to be led by what about? We're going to be led by our Savior. But if you pay attention to what's going on here, Jesus is, he's, do you notice he's giving him concrete actions? He's saying, look, I want you to feed my lambs, take care of my sheep, feed my sheep. In other words, Peter, that love that God put right here, it, it moves somewhere. See, we're used to thinking, and you've maybe heard people say, take what's in the head and move it to the heart. And that's absolutely true. But Jesus, if you were to pay attention to the movement of just those Greek words here, I think Jesus is getting at something. That love that God put right here, I want it to move to here, to where it's on the mind, and then I want it to move out here through the hands. In other words, it is not just this deep, sentimental uh, experience of love right here. It's a love that does something. It's a love that moves from the heart to the head, where it's on the radar every single day. And then it moves through our hands, out into our relationships with those that he brings us into contact with. See, that's a different kind of love, isn't it? Not only do I want you to, he says, I, not only do I want you to see me in the ordinary places in life, in the everyday, but I want that love to actually be expressed in a different way. I was reminded years ago of this uh, EMT class I was in not long after I graduated high school. I was up at Red Rocks Community College wanting to be a firefighter, and I will never forget this video that they showed us. Uh, I was a paramedic leading the the class, and he showed us this video of this water rescue. And this fire department ended up with a lawsuit over this, but they basically were showing us a video of how not to rescue somebody in the water. And you've got these two rescuers that go out to this person who is just trying everything they can to keep their head above water to breathe. And as they get closer to the person, it's like these last gasps trying to get air and as they finally get close enough to the person, you know, if you've ever been in that situation where you're just trying to get air, you don't care who's in the way or anything. You might flail, you may swing, but it's not directed at the people near you. You're just trying to stay above water. In this hand, you see the person is struggling, their hand just like latches onto this person's face. And they're just pulling with everything they've got. And finally, the rescuer just winds back. You tell they'd been trying to position to get around to help this person, but they couldn't. So he just, he winds up and he just socks the guy square on the nose, like, and suddenly the guy goes out. And the paramedic shuts off the video right there and he's like, so there's a better way to do it. <laughs> and that's what we've got to learn. And as I read this, I go, this is what Jesus is getting at. There's a better way for that love to move from the heart to the head, to the hands. 
And then the conversation progresses into a third element that as long as we're asking the question, what about, we miss this part. But pay attention to what Jesus says to Peter. He says in verse 18, very truly, Peter, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. Now, I always thought this would be a great passage for a wedding after watching my grandparents for years. Listen to this. When you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you're old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. And I thought, that's my everyday experience with my wife. She sees what I put on and she's like, change, change. That's not going to work. And we've got stuff to do. We've got a list today. And it's not my plan. But that's not what Jesus is getting at here. He's saying, listen, someone's going to lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. And that's where Peter's question, that's where Peter's question, that small question that sits inside every single one of our hearts every single day shows up. He sees John in the background and he says, what about him? What about him, Lord? You see, this is the point where every single one of us faces a choice. You are going to be led by your Savior and what he has done for you, or you're going to be led by all the whatabouts of life. And Jesus, just to, just to just deepen this even more, he says, look, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You follow me. You follow me. A man named A.B. Bruce said it best. He said, the, the first most important task of those early disciples and for anybody in those times and for anybody who is going to be a disciple of Jesus in these times is not to lead. It is always, first and foremost, to follow. To follow. And yet one question can get in the way, can't it? What about that? And what about them? What about this going on? I mean, you, we all can fill in those blanks. We all know our whatabouts. And Jesus says, listen, you've got a choice. You've got a choice in how you're going to live. You can, you can look for me in the extraordinary, and I, I can be there, but you'll see me so much if you look around in the ordinary every day. You can love me according to your definition, but it's going to be a love that's driven by what about. Or you can love me according to how I ask you to love me. And you can live your life being led by what about or being led by me. He's saying, Peter, Peter, come on, there's, we're going to a different level now. All this time together, the last three years, I've been shaping something. I've been shaping my identity in you, Peter, and through you. It's going to come through you. Not long ago, I remember we were in a store, and I don't know um, how many of you are bumper sticker fans, but I will never forget this bumper sticker that we saw in this store. How many of you have Jeeps, or you do, you do a lot of four-wheeling or go off-roading? Okay, we've got some. So uh, we're walking in this store, and I saw you can actually get stickers and decals to put on your car, on your Jeep, or on your uh, four-wheeler of mud to make it look... Like you're hardcore, like you go four-wheeling all the time. And I just thought, well, why don't you just go do it? Why don't you just go four-wheeling? 
And then, I, and then recently, I got another reminder of it. Our daughter, um, she, she showed us a pair of jeans she wants to buy. And I don't know about you, but I'm looking at this ripped up pair of jeans, and they just keep getting more ripped up. I mean, as culture, you know, as the years progress, the jeans you can buy, I was going, okay, Lainey, you can literally buy twice the fabric for half the money right now. She's like, yeah, but ripped jeans, and ripped jeans have always, in every era, they've always, they're like the staple that have always been around. But I just remember thinking, gosh, and when I was younger, I don't know, children of the 80s in here, 70s, 60s, 50s, 40s, I mean, anything before the 90s? <laughs> I mean, how did we get holes in our pants? Yeah, you played tackle football on the concrete. That's how you got holes in your pants. I remember second grade, it's exactly what happened, came home. Luetta Harrison, my mom was so mad. The next morning, I woke up, she had ironed patches onto my pants. It's like, Mom, I'm in second grade. I'm a man. I have a reputation to uphold. I don't need these iron-on patches. But that's how we got holes in our jeans. And then I was reminded of a third thing. Back when we were in the youth group, you know, skateboarding was just a huge deal in the youth group. And Ryan Long, that every single one of you passes when you walk in in the mornings and, and when you walk out, he, he's out there in the foyer. I remember all the skateboarders had these white skate shoes that just had been scuffed up from skateboarding. So Ryan goes to get these white skateboarding shoes, comes back to the church, and we were in the parking lot. He tears the tag off of them, turns them upside down, and immediately starts rubbing them on the concrete. And I went, what are you doing? He's like, I got to look like a skateboarder. I was like, what if we just tried skateboarding? (laughs) See, this is what Jesus is getting at here. Peter... You've, been, you've thought following me came with this what about. And sure, what about's going to show up. It can't not show up in our lives. But you and I have a choice as to whether we're going to be distracted by it. And when you remember that Jesus shows up in the ordinary every day, what about loses a little bit of power. And when you remember that Jesus has a different sort of expression of love, what about loses some more power. And when you remember that ultimately he wants to lead us to a life that cannot, we cannot even arrive at on our own human strength, then the very human question, what about, begins to lose its power, doesn't it? See, this is why the gospel is truly the most relevant thing that any of us could chew on day in and day out. That our Savior would look at us, ordinary, unlikely people, and say, I love you so much that I will go to the cross on your behalf, that you'd be made right, that you could express love, that you could live a life that only I can lead you in. What about feels very relevant, but did you notice last year what about changed about every three weeks? It just, the news stories, the headlines were changing constantly. And all that does is say, what about, what about, what about, what about? Jesus says, for followers of me, we live differently. It's as if to say, Peter, Nathan, West Bowles, (laughs) we cannot follow in devotion while handcuffed by distraction. We cannot, cannot, cannot follow in devotion while handcuffed by distraction. So don't worry about the what about. Now, That was all very individual for Peter. 
until you go back and look at the conversation they had. Because did you notice what he said? Feed my lambs, take care of my sheep, feed my sheep. And what Jesus is doing is he's getting Peter ready for something. And he's pointing ahead to something. That Peter, yes, there's an identity individually that you carry, but there's a bigger identity. And it's tied to the church. See, Peter, what I'm doing is I'm getting you ready for church. Peter, we're getting ready for church. This year, as we've talked about identity, it's been in strictly individual terms. But guess what? Jesus looks at you and me like he looks at Peter. And he says, I'm getting you ready for church. Because what I'm up to in the world is going to happen through the church. Jesus says movements are going to come and movements are going to go, but I am building my church. Elections are going to come. And presidents are going to come and presidents are going to go. But I am building the church, Jesus says. You ready for this one? Tom Brady is going to come, and Tom Brady is going to go. But Jesus is building his church. What about, what about, what about is going to come? But Jesus is building his church. And so with all that in mind, as the worship team comes back up, that is where we're going to begin next week. I hope to see you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you that you are a God who when you look upon us, it's so easy for us to think it's just us and you. But Lord, I, I pray that you would open our eyes to everything that John 21 shows us. As we head out of here on Sunday with worship in our hearts and maybe um, just the inspiration of your word and the nourishment of it, Lord, help us to translate that into seeing it in the credits as we look at Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday, Friday, Saturday, all the days that feel so ordinary. Would you remind us that you're right there and that we can look for you there rather than be led by the whatabouts? Would you remind us that there's a love that you want to express through us that moves from our heart to our head through our hands that's not led by any sort of whatabout, but it's led by you? And would you remind us that ultimately what you want to do in and with us is something that can only be carried out by Jesus himself and now in our day and age, his body, the church. And so as we look at our identity, getting ready for church in the weeks ahead, I pray that you would just plant your word, John 21, on our hearts. Because Lord, you know our hearts. We want to follow you with all devotion. So clear, clear our distractions. We pray all this in Jesus' name, amen.